Welcome to the Peter O. Estevez Show with your host, Peter O. Estevez. Get it fast, hit it dash in my position, you will never last. Real talk, I had to get it from the mall. Real talk, now I'm vibing with a bankroll. For over 25 years, entrepreneur, speaker, and CEO Peter O. Estevez has built businesses all over the world. And today, he shares his experiences, failures, and successes along the side of some of the most sought after thought leaders to help you pave your way to success. Please welcome to the show your host, Peter O. Estevez. Good to see you, Gary. Oh, it's good to see you, Peter. How have you been? I've been really, really good. I um, I've been busy. My big, big, big mission, my movement, uh, what I call the Legacy Building, which is a commitment that I have through this platform that that we are building <laughs> called Excelente. And as I mentioned to you, is the first ever uh, Latin leadership and personal development platform. Uh, you know, I discovered something when I enter the personal development space as a student, okay? When I started uh, following people like yourself, Gary, people like uh, John Asaroff, people like uh, my good friend Robin Sharma, people like uh, uh, Les Brown and Lisa Nichols and, and, and Michael Beckwith. And, and my introduction to the personal development space was actually uh, during a very difficult time in my life where I lost my mother. My wife asked me for a divorce. And I was facing the economic crisis. We were all facing the economic crisis of 2008. And then soon after, soon after I, uh, I, uh, you know, my father passed away. So within a 14 to 16 month period, uh, I found myself broken, broken. Okay. And although I have achieved a lot of financial success, I felt that I could not get it together, that there was something lacking. And what I had realized was, Gary, and, and I don't mean to, to get into soap opera, um, but what I realized very early on was that I had incredible surviving skills. I had become very resourceful as a result of where I came from, but I had not adopted a new belief system that was congruent with where I was socially and economically. I had, I had not acquired the emotional intelligence. I had not dumped the baggage. I kept taking the broken little boy into the marriage, into the partnership, into the boardroom, into the friendships, everywhere. I had not shed uh, the old belief system, the limited mindset, okay? The scarcity mindset that a lot of humans, if not a huge percentage of them, operate from what I call a state of survival. There are time traveling between the past and the future, and they are rarely ever available in the present and in the now because they cannot afford to be. They're too preoccupied. They have not set a set of values or principles that allow them to see the world with clarity and possibilities. And I was one of those guys. You know, I saw my parents struggle and, and, and poverty and everything. And I wanted to run away from poverty and run away from everything that I came from, but I did not run away from the belief system. I still took it. Right? <laughs> I, I still took it with me. Okay. And, and basically what I had to do, Gary, was to rewire that mindset. 
So uh, a lot of that mindset is very prevalent in my culture. It's very prevalent in my community. So I'm going to go circle back to the point that I was trying to make. What I got involved as a student into the space of personal development, which I still am a student and continue to be for the rest of my life, I realized that I was one of the few people in the rooms that looked like me, that talked like me, that sounded like me, and they came from where I came from. I also realized that there's not very many people on, on the space, on the stage that I could relate to, okay? Or, or the younger Peter could relate to, right? You know, so I think that there's a, a disconnect culturally. I think there's, uh, in, in, in the Latin community, personal development, emotional intelligence has not gone main, mainstream. Although it is digitized, it is democratized, and it is demonetized and readily available, through social media and other means, there's still the, the lack of connection and the lack of understanding. Uh, I often cite the fact that I have seen what has happened in the African-American community through platforms like Oprah, one of the most returning guests there, and uh, in, in, in also through Tyler Perry, they have created in, incredible movements and incredible opportunity for the African-American. They have actually brought their plea their deficiencies open into, in, in, they have created a movement out of their the issues that they have prevailed in their communities. And as a result of that, the African-American community has advanced incredibly in the last 20 years. And I truly believe that if I am able to make a dent in the Latin market, I can do the same thing for that community. That's really remarkable. I didn't even ask you, Gary, how are you and how are Linda doing? How is life? My apologies Oh no, you're excited. I, I, I understand what you're saying and I accept your excitement and your passion and wanting to share that. I, I do that a lot too. We're fine. We're very busy. We're something like, uh, we decided a little while ago that since we're not going to live that much longer compared to so many of the younger people around us, that we wanted to find a way to continue to support people now and after we leave the Earth School who are interested in creating authentic power and spiritual partnerships. So we decided to create uh, our, our just working title between ourselves was uh, Universal Human Global Ecosystem. And we, we're, we're not business people, we're not organizers, although business, uh, Linda <laughs> really naturally organizes, but but we decided to use all of the tools available, created a new website, have online self-paced courses under development, have a social media outreach now. We never really had that before. Uh, published a book, Universal Human. Sure. I, I read your book, by the way. Oh, have you? Oh, Absolutely. I'm so glad. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, we are uh, a community called Soul to Soul, and uh, a podcast, which I don't have the bandwidth to do now, but I will do, uh, hopefully this year, by the same name, Universal Human. And all of that has stretched us so much. We need to have more help. Uh, we have some really good advisors, and uh, we gave a, a, a talk, an interaction at the uh, for the organization Conscious Capitalism, which was co-founded by John Mackey, who created Whole Foods. That, that's why we went to Austin when you and I last talked. 
Okay. And we didn't connect when yeah. we were in Texas, but we were so full with our activity then. And yeah. we met so many people there that were so identified with what we were sharing and what we do share that we're, we're really uh, want to work with them in the business community. And uh, I feel that what you're describing for the Latin community is all th so. I mean, I've, I've seen it myself. I have, a, I, I don't know why, but I have such a strong affinity for um, all things Latino and Latina. Uh, yo no puedo hablar español, pero porque uh, I think español es una, es una lingua bonita. Y yo no sé why, quiero. Pero I, I, I just, with some of the fellows that I work around, they teach me a little bit of Spanish, and I love it. One of them always said, uh, when, when, when I talk about anything that concerns me, he says, yeah, I just say es todo. Es todo. <laughs> so I've been saying es todo, and everybody who speaks Spanish laughs. I have to find <laughs> out from you what that means sometimes. I think it's all, it's everything. It's all. Yeah. It's all. Yeah. It's all. yeah. So I, I want to support you in what you're doing. There's no question about that. Uh, I, I, I look at a larger context. I feel, as you know, because you read Universal Human, maybe, and Seed of the Soul is a good one to read too, good book, that in, in my experience, there is a, an epic, unprecedented transformation to human consciousness that's happening now. It's been happening for about a generation. And within a few, uh, two more maybe generations, everyone will have this new consciousness. It's expansion beyond the limitations of the five senses. And people begin to have multi, hundreds of millions of people are having multi-sensory experiences. For example, uh, they, they ask questions like, am I more than a mind and a personality? Am I more than a body and a mind? This, this kind of question comes from multi-sensory perception. Multi-sensory perceptions are everywhere. And they change our experience of ourselves and the world, the universe, relationship, community, culture, religion, ethnic group, gender, everything. We're moving in that direction. And this new consciousness is, is doesn't have to be earned. It's happening. And it's happening eventually, quickly. When I say quickly, two generations, that's a long time, but compared to the 300 million years that humans have been evolving, it's faster than an eye blink. It's faster than a heartbeat. And it's happening now. And I don't know. So we want to support people in this. So there's a couple of ways we want to support them. Number one, let them know that it's good. They're sane. They're healthy. They're not going insane because they're having multi-sensory perceptions, because they can talk to non-physical guidance, because they have, they're becoming highly intuitive, because they're seeing everything differently. They're waking up as spiritual beings who are longing for harmony and cooperation and sharing and reverence for life in a world of discord and competition and hoarding and exploitation, a world in which life is a cheap commodity. And we want to let them want to validate those experiences. You're sane, wow. grounded. Another reason is that this new perception, this new consciousness, does not 
make us more constructive, more connected. More co- it does make us more connected. It, it, it makes us realize how connected we are. But it doesn't make us kinder. It doesn't make us less brutal. It doesn't make us less self-serving. These are all aspects that everyone has, parts of every personality. And to do that, to move beyond that, requires creating the new understanding of power, which is alignment of the personality with the soul. And it's in dramatic contrast to the old understanding of power, which was ability to manipulate and control. So this has to be created. And the creating it is our evolutionary path now. That's my experience. To create it, it essentially, it's, it's learning how to love, learning how to give the gifts you were born to give. But it requires work. It requires becoming aware, emotionally aware, of all of the parts of your personality, frightened and loving. By, by frightened, I mean the parts that are angry, jealous, resentful, competitive, overwhelmed, superior and entitled, inferior and need to please, that are compulsive, obsessive, that have addictions, and moving beyond the control of them, challenging them when they appear. And the loving parts of our personalities, which we experience as gratitude, appreciation, caring, contentment, patience, awe of the universe, recognizing them and cultivating them. And as we do that, that's creating authentic power. And now, how did that's easy to understand, but to do it, that takes the work. I mean, anger has been a big part of my life. Sexual addiction was a big part of my life. Um, so just those are enough for illustrative purposes. But, but for example, when I was angry, when I was in my 20s, 30s, 40s, you know, I didn't, I, I knew I was angry. I shared it with everyone. I said, yeah, I'm angry. I've always been angry. I'm always going to be angry. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> but I didn't realize what I was doing to myself. I was pushing people away. They didn't let themselves be vulnerable to me. They didn't want close relationships with me. I was intimidating, and it was isolating. And the more isolated I became, the more angry I became. You know, it, it's, it's, this is people who don't recognize the frightened parts of their personalities act on them unconsciously, and they create destructive consequences. We... Creating authentic power is the process of becoming able to distinguish within yourself the difference between love and fear and choose love no matter what is going on inside of you, like anger, rage, resentment, greed, or what is going on outside of you, like another 9-11 event or a global pandemic. That's the work. That's creating authentic power. That's everything that Linda and I do. The books we write, the events we give, the global ecosystem that we're creating by whatever name we're going to give it. The name isn't important. And we realize because we're in a legacy building too, but I don't use the term legacy because it reminds me of old, hoary, controlling from the grave kind of energy. Right. And I realize that it's not an institute. We have an institute. We have a nonprofit foundation, but it's, those are not going to be the legacy, Peter. The legacy is going to be the experience, the lived experience of creating wow. authentic power wow. in people around the world. Long after we're gone, you and me and Linda, it's that experience that's going to be 
important to them. Right. And that's what we want to create, are uh, giving people the opportunity to create those experiences. Spiritual partnerships is a relationship, in my experience, that's replacing all others. Marriage relationships, friendships, commercial relationships, social relationships. It's partnership between equals for the purpose of spiritual growth. Spiritual partners cannot create authentic power for others. And they know others can't create it for them, but they can support one another in doing that. And it's so amazing. So our vision is spiritual partnerships, maybe six to eight people around the world, these circles overlapping, interacting of individuals creating authentic power. And we don't have to convince anybody. We don't sell. We don't persuade we don't proselytize this is our evolutionary path we we want to contribute as much as we can we want to give what we've been given to give and give it in a way that's most relevant and healthy whether it's to a latino growing up in poverty a german businessman growing up in wealth a vietnamese farmer a native american i have strong affiliations with all the aboriginal cultures I have strong affiliations with prisoners, with inmates. And I know, because I know enough about life to know that these weren't inclinations, affiliations, passions, and love that spring into being since I was born in Texas and brought up in Kansas. They do not. Those activate experiences that predate my birth. I mean, there's something that draws me to these cultures. And I don't spend a lot of time thinking why. Sometimes I know a little bit. They are. That's the way it is. This is the foundation of multisensory education, the social structure. All the things, that, as you read, all of our social structures are disintegrating now. They're dissolving. And they don't have any salvage value because they can't be fixed. They can't be fixed because they're not broken. They're obsolete. And they're being replaced by new social structures of commerce, education, healthcare, even the military, jurisprudence. And it's th- these social structures are growing up now. And even though it looks like the world is collapsing because of the divisions, political divisions, religious divisions, social divisions, uh, wealth divisions, it's not. These are all expressions of what we inherited from the old consciousness, from a five-sensory humanity, from which people of our age emerged. We all, now there's neonates being born with multi-sensory perception, and there's hundreds of millions more in whom it's emerging. Like me, I was an officer in the U.S. Army. I was in the Special Forces, and I liked it. And now (laughs) I dedicate my life to what we're talking about. Sure. So when, when I hear you talking about the Latin community and Excelente, my heart goes right out. I want to say, yeah, bro, I want to help you. But I, I, I know there's limited things I can do, but what I can do, I'll do my best to share because I feel that, that we are um, colleagues. We are looking in the same direction. Our hearts are open in the same ways. Absolutely. And, and, and I, I identify... Uh, as the Latin community, 
not because of anything else, because I, I'm a true believer that we are citizens of the universe and we're all one and alike, right? And, and going right back to what you're saying, I think along the way, we're all going to find our path of who we are and what we are and what our purpose is. I know that my parents would have wished that they had given me a completely different life that they could afford to give me, right? So I know, I, I, I know consciously they could only give me what they knew how to give me, okay? But I also feel like I have a responsibility, uh, you know, with, with, with uh, I know better, so I have to do better, right? So I have an opportunity, I have an opportunity today to, to be able to, uh, to, to, like yourself, you know, deliver the message, right? Deliver the message. And, and, and I don't have to sell. I don't have to push. And I don't even want to convince. I just want people to realize that, as you said, there's all structures. There are all, all systems that are absolutely dysfunctional. And, as, as, and, and, and I see exactly what, 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 um, uh, what, what, you, what you're saying, Gary. I call it the Great Awakening. Right, uh, 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 and, and and I see it so much in the younger generations. I think that for people, uh, for a lot of people, our age, our generation, that have been through so much, it's hard for them to be able to process the changes that are happening in the world. So there's almost a gap. There's almost a bridge that needs to be. We need to close that gap between generations. So the older generations, the, the generations with experience and, and, and life that they have experienced difficult times are willing to listen that there's new opportunities and there's new systems and new, new beliefs and are able to embrace the younger generation to ease up and say, yeah, you know, this is, 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 is okay to meditate. It's, it's not, woo-woo, it's not crazy. It's okay to to, 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 to know that, you know, you said it on the podcast. I truly believe that this multi-sensory process has been around forever. Okay. I think it is a process that, that has taken a, 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 that is really coming alive today because what has happened in the, in, in the past has not worked. Right. So by default, the, the universe is kind enough to teach us a lesson that we need to change that what we have done as human beings, uh, maybe served a hundred years ago or 200 years ago, but not anymore. We need a kinder, softer approach to life. And, 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 and I do believe that in my culture and in many cultures, okay, but I just happen to know my culture better because that's what I'm a byproduct of, right? So in my culture, I see this mainstream. I see my siblings, my own, I'm one of 13 children. And I see my, my, my brothers and sisters, nephews and nieces that live the same way my parents lived 40, 50 years ago. And I know that what my parents did, did not work for them. Does that make sense? It does. Yes, it does. And I think that if we are able to somehow spread a message, um, uh, in, in my experience, my awakening happened through personal development. Okay. A lot different than you. You, I think that you actually had a spiritual awakening. Okay. Uh, in my opinion, right? I mean, you talk, and, and, and I'd like for you to, if you would, if you don't mind, you say you were a very angry person. How does a very angry person that isolates other, that believes that this is the way I am, and so it be, 
How does he go to being such a kinder, softened, conscious human being? Hmm. In my case, it was incrementally and with a lot of work. It was. A, it, it wasn't a spiritual awakening, but it was. But over time, and and by the way, I think cultures are important. It, 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 it's not that I don't. Obviously, that's. I mean, why am I drawn to? Uh, why am I drawn to Mexican and Hispanic cultures in, in general? Why am I drawn to Aboriginal cultures? Why am I drawn to Hawaiian and Lakota? Why am I drawn to Tibetan? There's so many cultures and languages in the world. Why those? And I feel that cultures are very important wells, resources of um, richness and knowledge and depth. But the now we're coming to a place where we can appreciate those things right but not be limited by them not identify with them they are where we come from i'm white uh, my family was jewish i never identified with that i never participated in it but i can feel its influence on me not the teaching influence i don't know much about judaism but there's something about that culture that is in me but i also know that I am a personality that comes from a soul and that my soul has myriad personalities and each of those personalities has a lineage. Wow. Yes, when wow. I saw that, I thought, wow. So that doesn't mean that I de devalue in any way the personality that I am, the time that I am, who I am now, but I recognize I am a personality, I'm a soul, not a, only a personality. And my soul has been German, has been Mexican, has been Hawaiian, has been Lakota, has been involved in all of the wisdom and all of the brutality of all of those. And all of those cultures that are still alive, uh, multi-sensory perception is a part of it. Every shaman knows how to visit the, the unseen world and bring wisdom and practical knowledge back to the seen world. Billions of Buddhists and Hindus believe in reincarnation. They generally don't live as though it's so, even though like uh, billions of Christians believe in love, but they don't live that way, but they do believe it. Now what is new is that the entire human species is becoming multi-sensory not just the shamans, not just the wise ones, not just the prophets in our, liter our religious literature, but all of us, all of us, our granddaughters, you, the young people you're working with, are all over a few generations becoming multi-sensory. And that's the new evolutionary path. And that's what I want to contribute to. So I know that what Linda and I can share will help the young people and our contemporaries in the Latin community because I know they can help everyone who's being touched by the new consciousness. And by the way, those who aren't, we don't try to, uh, we don't invite them to the, uh, to the school because they're not interested. And that's not that they're not interested because they're less intelligent, less sensitive, less educated, it's because they don't have anything in their experience that allows them to hook on to discussions of multi-sensory perception and new consciousness. Wow. They, they, they just don't. 
if they're good-hearted, they'll listen. If they're frightened, they'll dis- they'll judge it and dismiss it and create distance between the person who shares that. So we're not trying to convince those people. We're trying to support those people in whom multisensory perception is emerging. And there's a lot of them, hundreds of millions, probably more than that by now, many more. Are they conscious of it, Gary? Yes, sometimes, and sometimes they're conscious of something different. What, For example, the first time I ever heard the words personality and soul, something moved in me. And, and, and it wasn't, oh my God, my life has just changed. Not that at all, just right. I, felt, I felt it and it was a curious feeling. And it was a decade later that it became everything that I do. Some people, the new consciousness comes into being like a supernova. And for other people, it's like a dawn in the morning slowly. Wow. The light's slowly emerging, but it's there. It's there, and we, we want to support everyone in their path. We don't say, by the way, we start every event, every workshop uh, with this kind of a, a suggestion. We say, we suggest that you not take anything that we say as so simply because we say it. Instead, if you resonate with anything we say, experiment with it and see what that creates in your life. And if it creates something good, experiment some more. And if it doesn't, let it go. Don't try to wear a shoe that pinches. And we go, we, we say, and, and in addition, we suggest you do that with everyone. Don't take anything that anyone says is so just because they've been on television or they've written a book or they're wealthy or they have a political position or or they have a pulpit and a congregation. What do you resonate with in that, if anything? And if anything, experiment with it. So that's the, that's the approach we take because the last thing we want to do is create any kind of dogma. The world has enough religious dogma. It's, 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 a, it's not what we're after. We are after. Uh, people uh, gaining and, and, and by the way working hard and creating authentic power working hard because it takes courage it takes it, it takes commitment and courage and compassion and conscious creation conscious communication and action these are we, we even have um, authentic power guidelines they're, they're on our website everyone can download them and we're creating a four-part course because each of those guidelines, commitment, courage, compassion, conscious communication and action, has actual guidelines in them. And these are the things we want to share and give. And you can give them if you think they're valuable. I, 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 I think they're incredible, incredibly valuable. And, and I'm sorry for interrupting you because I, 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 want to, I want to share a couple of things with you, Gary. One of them is, um, the obvious question is, how can I support you? And I want you to think about that for a second. And then secondly, the other question is, you know, I completely relate to everything that you're saying. Uh, I, I, I believe that, that, that we are kinder spirits, right? That, 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 that there's a connection that binds us, okay? And when, you, when I read your book, when I interviewed you the first time and you used the term multisensory, I completely, it was like, for, for, for me, it was like, wow, 
I know what that is. I feel it. I am not crazy. Okay. This is happening to me. Okay. There is, I'm going to call it for a lack of a better word. This is what somebody would call perhaps maybe an out of body experience, right? Something different, something people that, you know, something's happening in you. Okay. Or something's happening through you. But there's a lot of people around you that don't understand what that change and transformation is. Okay. And you just explained it so equitably. Okay. Uh, and, and, and I wish that we could do have you on for about five minutes and explain it the way that you did, because I do believe that we have what is called the great awakening, that moment, that pause, you know, uh, I think, I think it became more obvious and more, and more prevalent uh, during COVID, right? Because we were, for the first time, the world was paralyzed. It came to a standstill and we were able to realize that we had been so busy in our lives that we had not had an opportunity to feel, to see, Okay, to sense, to sense what's really out there, right? So So for the very first time, we are able to feel and to sense and realize that life is more about hearing, seeing, touching, feeling, smelling, tasting, right? There is intuition. There is an energy. There is a, there is something out there. I don't know what to call it other than multi-century, you know, uh, uh, quoting you, right? I know that. I feel that. Okay. And, 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 and I think it's such a powerful, powerful message because the beginning of change and transformation, in my opinion, and it was for me, it was to accept the fact that my old belief system no longer served me and that I had to open myself to new ideas. Okay. If you and I would have had this conversation 20 years ago, we wouldn't have. Because I would have thought you were crazy. And I didn't have it to give. Right. <laughs> and I would have, and you would have thought I was an idiot. You, you, you get what I'm saying? I mean, it, it's just so, so. So the universe has a magical word, uh, a magical way of transforming us as we need to be transformed. But there's also part of us, in my opinion, Gary, that, that needs to continue to do the work in order to fully understand what that transformation is and embrace it and then live it and then practice it and then pass it on. Practice it. That's living it and practicing it. That's where the work comes in. That's why Linda and I give events and, um, and uh, Facebook Lives so we can really interact so that people can under- can get a glimpse of what it's really like. Um, so I, uh, I just, that experience you had of hearing the word multisensory or uh, that's, how multi- that's how many people um, realize that um, that was real, that experience I just had. Right. It was real, and it's good. Right. And they can probably go to a therapist, and a therapist will say that's bad, but they know it's good. They know something happened. So anyway, we're talking about the same thing. Actually, I, I did have some of this to give 30 years ago, but if we talk 35 years ago, I had no clue. I, you know, I, I, I've always been multisensory without recognizing it. When I was 18 or somewhere along that age, 
my grandmother died, my favorite. I think I was her favorite, too, and I went home. And uh, the rabbi was giving a, uh, we were at her uh, service, and the rabbi was giving a eulogy or talking about her. He was, and he was speaking to an audience that was in front of him. And the family was in an alcove to his right. And above the arch in the alcove was a closed-circuit television set. In those days, closed-circuit TV was so novel. <laughs> it was so novel. It made me laugh. And my grandmother jerked my hand down, and she said, shh. She didn't want me disrupting her funeral. She wanted to enjoy it. She wanted to hear what people had to say. Well, I never told my parents about that because they'd obviously think that I was consumed by grief and hallucinating. But I wasn't. There wasn't anything to hallucinate or be grieving about. That is Grandma Libby just jerked my hand down and told me to be quiet. <laughs> and not only that, I knew her. I knew how she did it. When I would visit her, she lived in this uh, uh, large building. Uh, it had a big restaurant in it. And it was like a retirement home. It wasn't a retirement home. It was a, honestly a, a, an apartment building, but that's the way it turned out. And we would have uh, dinner, and then afterwards she'd walk me through the lobby holding hands, and it'd be a sea of gray hair, and she'd say, Now, oh, Gary, you remember Mrs. Goldsmith? And I'd say, Mm-hmm. Hi. And she'd say, Oh, you remember uh, Herman? I'd say, Mm-hmm. And if I ever didn't say, Mm-hmm, she'd jerk my hand down. She'd say, Shh. And that's what she did at her funeral. Wow. So I didn't know that was multisensory when it happened. I just know Grandma did it. Now, years later, I was living in San Francisco. My life was motorcycles, women, sex with women specifically, drugs. And I got invited to a meeting of physicists at the Berkeley, Lawrence Berkeley Laboratory. And I went because I was curious what physicists look like. And it, it so impressed me, Peter. They were talking about, it was a small group, eight or ten physicists, but world-renowned, some of them. And, uh, <clears throat> well, here's a short, I'll make it a little shorter. They were discussing among themselves, are we creating the reality we're experimenting with? That's exactly the question I was asking my arrogant, cohort of intellectuals in North Beach coffee shops, except these were real physicists. And I came back so excited. I, I felt like I'd had three cups of cappuccino and sparks were coming off my fingertips, but I couldn't explain any of this. I could not articulate why I was so excited. I went back, I asked if I could come back, and they said I could. I did. <clears throat> started to go to the used bookstores and Berkeley, because I had very little money then. I was on food stamps, living on food stamps. and But the books would almost, they would track me. They would say, come here. Yeah. And I would start getting books and taking them home. And I began to understand some of the things that were exciting me. And then <clears throat> I was at this gathering at Esalen, which is a New Age center in California. And I was sitting at a table with David Finkelstein, who was the chairman of the physics, who was a physicist from Yeshiva University in New York. 
and uh, then became the head of the department at Georgia Institute of Technology. And uh, we were talking a little bit of physics, and Al Wong, who's a Chinese Tai Chi master, and he said, when I was in... When I was in Taiwan, I studied physics at National Taiwan University. Uh, we called it uh, Wu Li. And I said, well, what does Wu Li mean? And he said, it means patterns of organic energy. Oh, that went right into me. Pa wow. Physics, patterns of energy, I understand. Organic, what understanding is there here that I'm ignorant of? So we started to talk and he said, well, Chinese is a tonal language, and he explained what that means. So you say the same thing like Wu, 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 Wu. There are four tones in Mandarin, and each of them means something different, and they're all written differently. So Wu Li, that's two characters. Right. But you can say Wu Li with these different permutations, and they mean different things completely. And then he started to go into what they mean. He said one of them means nonsense. Another means my way. Another means enlightenment. And so on these napkins, paper napkins, Aridassal, he's writing these characters, these sets of characters. And I said, that's it. That's it. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a book. And this is the structure. And uh, I'm going to write it to give, uh, to share what I'm learning because I'm not going to be involved in physics indefinitely. And I want to give what I'm learning on a silver platter to liberal arts majors like me that don't like science, don't like mathematics. And I did. And the book was called The Dancing Wu Li Masters, an overview of the new physics. And there's a lot of things happened because of that book and what led up to it. First of all, when I started writing the book, and here's part of my answer, to, long answer to your question. How did I transform? How did that happen? I started looking at each of those chapters, chapters in each section, and I write an outline, how I thought it should fit together. And as soon as I started to write, the outline seemed so yesterday to me, and the energy was going someplace else. And I would always go with the energy. That's where the buzz, the excitement, the juice, the electricity was. And I would write that. And then I'd write and I'd write and eventually it would come to an end. The chapter would end. That's always been an amazing experience to me when a chapter ends, how I know it. That's the end. Sometimes I don't and I write past it and I realize, oh, this is falling apart now because I've passed the end of the chapter. So anyway, I was having these kind of experiences. <clears throat> but the real experience was after six months, I had six chapters and they fit together, really fit together. And I thought, how did that happen? Because I threw the outlines away and I wrote extemporaneously, so to speak, intuitively and impulsively almost, but intelligently because I'd done a lot of research before I started writing. And that's when I realized I'm not alone in writing this chapter. And I realized nobody's ever alone. And it's impossible to create alone because no one is alone. And that was my first real experience of non-physical reality, the reality of non-physical reality. And I had a friend that was frightened of that. She was a Jungian therapist. 
She said, Gary, be careful. You don't know what you're getting into. I knew what I was getting into, and I wanted more of it. I decided that I was going to live my life the way this book was being written, spontaneously, intelligently, joyfully. And I've moved along that road a little bit. But that was, to me, one of the, one of the two biggest ironies in my life, that I should discover non-physical reality, writing a book about quantum physics. And, wow. and the other thing that I said, the second thing, the one I mentioned earlier that was so big to me about that book, was that book was my first gift to life. I was in my mid-30s as I was writing that. Before that, everything was for me. For me, for me, for me, for me. The sex. I wanted money. I wanted fame. I didn't have any. I didn't have either. I was resentful that I didn't have either. I was just, everything I did was, it was all for me. This book, The Dancing Wooly Masters, there was no strings attached to it. I didn't even think about it. It was a gift. And it was a good gift. Wow. And my first, very first gift to life. That was, who can say when a story begins, but that was one beginning point on a journey that I was on that led me to where I am in this lifetime. What an incredible story, Gary. And you said something, you know, I was resentful for the things <clears throat> that I did have. And that was obviously the manifestation of your anger. That was a manifestation of your quest to fill that empty soul through sex and motorcycles and drugs and everything else. And you shifted that into learning and into gift into the universe. What a powerful story, Gary. Thank you for oh. sharing. That. I'm so glad you're saying that because I've been thinking about writing a book. Uh, I, I can't write it now. I've got a podcast to do first and a lot of events to create with Linda, but I wanted to write a book about a few things about my life. It was because I, I've, I've learned from other people so much. And then I think, well, other people can learn from my life the way I learned from theirs. And then a frightened part of my personality comes up and says, that, that, that's just, you just want recognition. You want to just, it's, it's a trip. It's a, like an ego trip. What do you want to write a book about your life for? And so it helps me when I get a reflection and somebody says, wow, that's interesting. No, 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 Gary. I think ego can be good at times. I think ego can be a service. We have to be able to have the self-confidence to allow it to uh, tap into our creativity. And if we dim our ego, if we completely shut it off, if we turn off the light, how can we give out to the world? How can we? Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I didn't want to use the word ego. It's a, it's a sort of a flabby word. It doesn't. I, I like to use more precise language. Frightened part of my personality. The parts that have all those characteristics that Freud might have called egotistical. Uh -huh. anger, resentment, jealousy. So when a frightened part of my personality comes up, uh, I have to challenge it. That's creating authentic power. Uh, absolutely. But that is also part of the duality of who we are, right? The good, yes. the bad, the ugly, the different. I would say I've come to see things so differently. This is why we do what we do. Everything, the meaning is everything has changed. I don't think, in my experience, I don't experience the universe as thinking or looking in terms of good or bad or better or worse, or success or failure. I think what I've seen is, if it looks at all, it looks in terms of cause and effect. Uh, if I 
participate in a cause, I participate in the effect. And that's the way the Earth School works. It's a magnificent learning arena. There's no preaching, there's no proselytizing, there's no reward, and there's no punishment. There is cause and effect, and every individual experiences the effects of what that individual causes. And the effects are choices, choices of intention, love or fear. And intention is a quality of consciousness. And that quality of consciousness infuses the deed or the word. And if that quality of consciousness is love, it creates constructive, good-feeling consequences. And if that quality of consciousness is fear, it creates, it is painful to experience, and it creates painful consequences that are destructive. So that's the way I've come to look. It's not in terms of judgment or, uh, I would say the universe is a universe of non-judgmental justice. That is, everything is appropriate. Everything, experience, uh, is designed to bring the consciousness of the soul into the awareness of the personality. And those experiences are often personalities that the, ex, that the often experiences that the personality does not want. Cancer, divorce, failure of a business, death of a child. But every encounter with experience in the Earth School serves the spiritual development of the student in the Earth School. I see that now. I see it. And so are hundreds of millions of others. There's lots of ways to express this. But I love sharing these things because it brings people down to responsibility for what they create. Awareness and freedom. Awareness. Emotional awareness. Not emotional intelligence. I've, I know Dan Goldman who wrote that book. It's not being aware of your emotions and how to use it to climb a corporate ladder or make friends and influence people. It's becoming aware of your emotions because they give you information that's critical, vital to your spiritual development. And that information is, be alert. At this moment, a frightened part of your personality is active or a loving part is active. And if you act when the frightened part is active, you're going to create consequences of this type painful, destructive, and if you activate when a loving, when you act when a loving part is active, you'll create the opposite. That is the value of emotions. So emotional awareness is one of two tools in creating authentic power. I, how, how do, I'm sorry for interrupting you because I don't want to miss that point. How do we become aware? How do we become conscious? How do we feel that, that we don't go into that anger rage and we don't commit mistakes? Because this is what I love to share, Peter. Yes. And I love to share it with the people that uh, it, it can benefit. Yes. So the, the other tool is emotion is a responsible choice, which is a choice that creates consequences for which you're willing to assume responsibility. So those two put together, plus intuition, you can consult your teachers now, are what's involved in creating authentic power. So I'm angry, or I'm craving sex, which means I want to 
utilize another person's body. That's not something that has been a part of my life for a long time, but I do not flippantly say, I'm done with that. When a frightened part of my personality is just like someone who eats a lot or drinks a lot or needs sex a lot. When they get, when frightened parts of their personalities get strong enough, they, no, I don't do that now. I don't because I don't want to go there. Not because it's wrong or it's bad or it creates consequences, but because I don't want to do it. I really don't want to do it. I want to give. I don't want to take anymore. So this is where creating authentic power will lead you. I have frightened parts of my personality. Linda and I get in power struggles. I get angry. I get judged. I don't. The frightened parts of my personality do. And it's my responsibility to be aware of those. That's where emotional awareness comes in. That's, that's very interesting. So it's not you. It's a frightened part of, her, of your personality. It's not Gary that gets scared. It's not Gary that gets angry. There's a frightened parts of Gary that gets angry. And that's an incredible distinction. It is. However, if I act on that frightened part, Gary, I am the one that encounters the consequences. Right. How do we become <laughs> consciously aware? I, I, I call this, uh, you know, in, in recovery, there's, there's halt, right? Hungry, angry, lonely, tired, halt, right? Those are kind of like the triggers that, that, that uh, may cause somebody to act up on their desires. Those are frightened parts, aren't they? Frightened parts of a personality. Right. The hunger itself is activates fear. I, I, I've decided, I, I, I know that everyone has this choice, and I recognize it, and everyone does eventually, that there's two ways to learn wisdom, through love and trust or through fear and doubt. I spent most of my life learning the obvious way for us, fear and doubt. I fear that it's going to happen. I doubt that it's going to get any better. In fact, I'm preparing for the worst all the time. Love and trust is the opposite. It really means trust, but not trust that things will turn out the way I want them to. I, Gary Zukav, trust that what will happen serves a purpose. Not that there's destiny. We're not burdened with a destiny, but that everything that in, happens to each individual is appropriate for that individual, given the wisdom of the choices that he or she has made. I know that now. Wow. And, and so I do my best to live it and to model it. Gary, I got to ask you a question. You said something, if I have a desire to have sex with someone or alcohol or whatever, is that the desire to use that person or that the desire to feed something that is lacking within us? What is it? It's a need not to feel pain. It's a need not to feel pain. It's wanting to escape the pain. That's where the alcohol comes in, the sex, the overeating, the shopping, the gambling, and all the compulsions, addic um, perfectionism, workaholism, and all the obsessions, thoughts you can't stop thinking. That's where they all... We have, as humans one common experience among some other important ones, but we all share this. It is the pain of powerlessness. The pain of powerlessness is the pain of wanting to belong and not belonging. Wow. It's, it, it, it's the pain of wanting to be loved and knowing that we're unlovable. 
it's the pain of wanting to love and knowing that and I'm not capable of loving. It's being, it's knowing that you are inherently defective, intrinsically flawed, that you can't let anyone ever see yourself the way you see yourself because they wouldn't want anything to do with you. It's too ugly. Wow. And it's excruciating. Wow. That's the pain of powerlessness. Five sensory humans have it, and multi-sensory humans have it. Five sensory humans reach outward, outward to mask the pain of powerlessness. They try to re, they, they they try to change the external world. That's the pursuit of external power, manipulate and control. That manipulation and control. That is what is now toxic. It's poison. It used to be our good medicine. It, it it enabled us to survive. Now. It prevents our evolution, and perhaps I, 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 I love what you said there, right there, because I often, you know, me being twenty-two years sober, twenty-two years of recovery, I've always talked the fact I talk about the fact of my character defects and my shortcomings. Okay, and you, you say that again. My 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 character defects and my shortcomings. Character defects and shortcomings. At, yeah. at some point, there were my 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 defense mechanism. There were my survival skills. That's what I was alluding to early on in my conversation. But when I got to a certain place in society, when I got to a certain place in life, they no longer served me. Okay, because uh, I didn't have the excuse of being a young, broken little boy. Now I was a grown man throwing fits and 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 being angry mm. and being. And, and, and being isolated. And at the same time, I would, uh, I, I would uh, multiply that pain by destructive behaviors, sex, women, power, alcohol, whatever it is, it, it, silence, it numbed that pain temporarily, but then I would still woke up next morning to myself, right? And, 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 it, and it was a transformation of, you said it earlier, it's not about what I take, but what I give back, you know, where before, uh, before uh, I was like a rake, I wanted to rake everything in, everything that, that would, would take care of Peter, that would, it didn't matter if it hurt someone else. I just wanted to make sure that I accumulated, I got, I got, I got, I got, and it was nothing going on, it was everything coming in. And that does not work. It's not sustainable. Yeah, it, multi-sensory perception changes even those perceptions, like, Character defects and shortcomings. From a multi-sensory perspective, the frightened parts of your personality are not defects. They are your avenues to your spiritual growth. They bring your attention to parts of your personality that you need to experience fully and move beyond the control of in order to give the gifts you were born to give. And to say that they're shortcomings is a judgment. It's a judgment of another frightened part of your personality that judges you, that judges what you're doing. There's no compassion there. There's no compassion for you, and therefore there's no compassion for other people. All of these things are the new consciousness, and I love sharing them. And I, I love sharing them with you, Peter, because you're talking about things that I have, some of which I've experienced in my life, in, in my life, sexual addiction and anger and but uh, also uh, because this is why we're born, is to give love to the world. Absolutely. But you can hear that from any good-hearted preacher. 
but how? How do you do it when you want to kill somebody? How do you do it when you want to kill yourself? How do you do it when you can't stop being jealous? How do you do it when a frightened part of your personality is active? This is how. Create authentic power. Develop emotional awareness and use it. Become aware of when fear is active in you. Then use, practice your responsible choice. Make a choice for which you are willing to, that will create consequences for which you are willing to assume responsibility. You become the authority in your own life as you create authentic power. That's what it is. You develop mastery by whatever name it's called. Wow. 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 That was powerful, Gary. Gary, tell us about your teachings. Tell us about, uh, and I know you don't want it. You don't call them teachings. You, you say sharings, right? How you and Linda, how do we become part of what you're doing? How do we become part of the uh, multi-sensory, lack of a better word, help me fill in the blank, Gary. How do we become part of what you're doing? How do we become awake? How do we become part yeah. of a better universe? You are already part of a universe that can't get better and it can't get worse. It's a universe of consciousness, of life, of love. What's changing is not the universe, but our awareness. And our awareness is expanding a little bit. If you think about a continuum, a concept from physics. A continuum, you might look at it as a horizontal line, but it's got no end to the right and it's got no end to the left. It goes indefinitely. Our five sensory perception is this much awareness of that continuum. Our multi-sensory perception is this much. Wow. But it's a big change. And we are on the way to becoming the continuum. That's the step beyond universal human. How do we, uh, how do we work with you and Linda? How do we become part of this and learn more about what you, the work that you're doing? Well, come to one of our events. I used to, I, I, of course, read a book. That's really important. Right. Read a book. But come to an event. I can say that now because the events are now online. People anywhere, if they can speak English, can go to them. And the cost of a weekend event now is less than a good pair of noise-canceling headphones. Now, people in the developing, economically developing world will work for more than a year before they can buy a pair of noise-canceling earphones. For them, they're scholarships. We want to adjust. We want to support people. Our purpose is focused, and that is the focus. So I would say, if you can, come to an event. We decided we were going to, we're in a new experiment for ourselves now. Linda and I took a five-day annual retreat called Journey to the Soul, and we decided we're going to offer it in four separate weekend courses a year, spring, summer, fall, and the winter. And one's on multisensory perception and intuition. We just gave that one for the first time, three days, two and a half. And the next one in April is going to be, well, I, I don't want to date our talk, but the next one will be in whatever the sequence is, uh, 
emotional awareness. The next one will be responsible choice. The next one will be spiritual partnership. Come to those because there's a lot of support in between and we've made it very easy. People can either take these events a la carte, one at a time, as they choose, in whatever order they choose. Or they can choose to be part of a program that includes all four of these plus a lot of genuine, in-depth support between events, calls, meetings, uh, online meetings, courses, events. And the cost of that is almost identical to the cost of buying four courses individually. We want to make it that attractive for people to do. And if they're not living in a developed, uh, economically developed country, we want to make it possible for them to do it too. So I'm mentioning this because this is part of the new universal human global ecosystem. We, we have just given the first of these events. And by the way, you can still join, but uh, you might have to wait until the sequence starts again. And the only requirement is that you go, you attend three out of four of these events. But they're the most powerful, and by that I mean supportive events that Linda, event that Linda and I have given, and we've given a lot over 30 years. And so you can do that. It's not a matter of joining us in what we're doing. It's a matter of waking up in your world. You're wow. already doing that. That wow. is multi-sensory perception. But then it's a matter of recognizing it appreciating it, beginning to utilize it, and experimenting with it, which means experimenting with your life. Wow. And that's what you have your life for. And that the way to really experiment with your life is to create authentic power, become emotionally aware in terms of your body in a fail-safe way that you'll know what you're feeling. Practice responsible choice. Consult your intuition. Understand what that is and how you can do that. So it's not joining us, it's joining the world, it's joining the universe. You know, the, 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 the Lakota have this wisdom, as all Aboriginal people do. The center of the universe is everywhere. Wow. Wow. You know, we are introducing personal development <laughs> to a community that has never exercised it, that has seen it, and is trying to understand it, okay? But I think it's a lot more important that understanding personal development, that we understand that we are changing and we are in a new wave of multi-sensory, more so than personal development. I think if we understand that, we can open our ideas to anything and everything else. We will be able to recognize the changes that are happening within us, yes. for us, and through us. Yes, I agree. I learned so much from you in our very first interview. And this one has given me another level, another notch up. This was a mm. masterclass more than anything. Oh, I am, I am just honored and thrilled, Peter. That's a, I am so looking forward to uh, supporting Excelente. Not the program, but the people in it, the kids. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I, want absolutely. To, I, I remember the first time I went to see any of this was <clears throat> a long time ago. I knew a woman, Ellen, who was just beautiful, and she was working, I don't know what work meant for her, with gangs in uh, L.A. I don't think it was in Watts. I think it was in South Central. But she said, you want to go meet some people in the gangs? And I said, sure. 
in those days, then it was scary for me. First person I spoke with was Latino. He had a hairnet. And I don't know, it was just sort of scary. I, I, I remember getting back to Santa Monica and breathing. At last, I'm safe. But am I safe? It's just right over there. I mean, it's a 30-minute drive. All of this pain and misery and violence, it's right there. I don't see it in Santa Monica, but it's there. And that was an awakening for me. You know, this, this isn't a problem. It's what is. And it's not going to go away until we really apply consciousness and love. Yeah. But I wasn't even aware enough in them to, to, to go the, to that place. But one of the things that I noticed, that I felt, was that the gangs had this family quality about them. They were based on fear. Everybody, by the way, that's where communities are founded, is in fear. Fear of what's different, fear of what's other, fear of what's threatening. And the gangs are, communi are communities, tight communities. Uh, so what I'm saying is there's not one gang member alive that's not human. There's not one Hispanic alive that's not human. There's not one Jew, Hindu, Buddhist alive that's not human. And it's the human consciousness that's changing. Thanks for joining us today for another episode of the Peter O. Estevez Show. Make sure to join Peter and his next guest on a brand new episode as we continue changing and impacting lives across the world. Be sure to share this episode with a friend, subscribe, or leave a review today. Boy, I had to get it fast, get it dash in my position, you were